but that's how people used to get music. Now it's everywhere on your phone. When you're scrolling through, you see all different kinds of content that has music behind it. You see all different kinds of promotion, people sharing it and stuff like that. It moves at a faster rate. And as an artist, it's a lot cheaper and simpler to get that out there. Okay. Now it may seem like a big mountain to try to climb because your lack of knowledge is just, it's just, it is what it is. It's there. It's your big hurdle. But when you get the knowledge on how to start getting your music out there, how to become more well-known as a creative person, you have creativity where a lot of people don't. That is your biggest strength. That's your biggest superpower. What's up, y'all? Harco's here with Music Making Sense Podcast. How the hell y'all doing here today? Unfortunately, my co-host, the one, the only KP, could not make it here with us today. But I got a great episode for y'all here today either way. Now, I happened to find a article that really, really spoke to me. And it spoke to me in an interesting way because everybody knows that technology is changing. And in the realm of artists and how us as artists, we get paid for our music with royalties through Spotify and all these other DSPs. When I see an article like the one I'm going to talk to you about here today, it really makes me sit back and think how different things are tomorrow than what they are today and how as an artist you need to always be constantly trying to make sure that you have your own base of operations set up so that your fans can come there in order to check out your music or support you instead of having to rely on all these other third-party platforms okay it's going to be key to your success as an artist if you do these things if you are worried about what's happening with this platform or what's happening with that platform or, oh, Spotify is doing this to its royalties now, all those kind of things, you're worrying about the wrong things. What you need to worry about is how can I make sure that I have a place for my fans to come and check out all my new music, follow me on all the socials, check out the newest content I posted, support me, share my music. And if you have something as simple as a website, you can make this happen. I don't know how long y'all been following what goes on on social media, but over the last 10 years or so, there have been multiple instances where not necessarily artists like musicians like yourself and mine but content creators online who were making a lot of money off of youtube and then panda slap happened or they had a really big fan base and audience on facebook and they were able to get all these people listening to them millions of views every time they went live everything like that and then all of a sudden off facebook for some violation, whether it was just or unjust. And there's a lot of other situations like that where people have seen their lifestyle completely vanish. And if they didn't adapt and overcome, then they were stuck. For instance, with Vine. Some of y'all may or may not know of the Paul brothers, Logan and Jake Paul. They were previously Vine stars. Now, Vine was a social media platform that had its day in the past, and it vanished. Well, those guys, and I'm sure there's a handful of other ones, were the only ones that adapted to another platform and were able to bring their audience and grow their audience in the face of that platform getting shut down. Now, that's kind of rare, but it speaks to the perseverance that those people have, that no matter what the obstacle is, I'm going to succeed. I'm going to make sure that I'm able to continue providing this content for the people who enjoy the content I make, and I'm going to be able to be successful with that. And if y'all haven't seen the, the growth that, that Jake and Logan Paul have been able to achieve since their days on Vine, go check it out. Whether you like them personally or not, that's irrelevant. Look at the trajectory that they've had. 
And so whenever I see things like this headline, I'm going to be reading here today. Well, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to go over with you here today. Let me say that. I'm doing this 100% unedited like we do on the Music Making Sense podcast, the full edition where me and KP normally talk. So I'm going to stumble over my words a little bit, but just bear with me, all right? So the headline is, I'm going to pop it up on the screen as I'm doing it too. For those of y'all who are listening only, just go ahead and check this out at your leisure. I'll drop the link to the article down below in the comments and everything like that in the description. But if you're watching on the video, I'm going to pop it up on the screen. Anyway, DistroKids Banzoogle buyout, Song Traders Bandcamp acquisition point to the power of D2C commerce and a potential future battle for super fans. Now, for those of y'all who don't know, D2C is direct to consumer. All right. And what that is, is you having a platform like Bandcamp, like Banzoogle, like your own personal website where your fans can come purchase your music, purchase your merchandise, or just listen, support you, check out all your other things that you're doing all in one place. Okay. But in specific, what this article is talking about is the actual financial transaction of artists selling their music directly to the consumer, the fan of their music. All right. And then when they're representing super fans, for those of y'all, you know, they're, they're referencing super fans. So for those of y'all who have been listening to the last multiple episodes that I've been, we've been having here on Music Making Sense podcast, you know, I keep talking about a cult like following your super fans. I think I probably used a couple other terms to distinguish these two people, right? If you haven't checked it out, make sure you go check it out, obviously. But having super fans is where it's at. Because as you may or may not already know, depends on how far along you are on with your journey being an artist, a super fan and a cult-like following of super fans is where you make your money. They're the ones that go out to shows. They're the ones that buy your merch. They're the ones that buy your music. They're the ones that share the hell out of your stuff. They're the ones that will create their own unique content online and put your music behind it. That's a super fan. That's a call like following that you have. When you have that, that is where you start winning. But you need to make sure you nurture that because if you neglect or mistreat those people, they will be your worst nightmare. All right. They that that's one of the dichotomies right there. They a super fan can be your best or your worst nightmare. Just, you know, a cult following can. And you've seen that with any of the, you know, the Branch Davidians or any of these other like you know, cults that went off the rails, right? It could be a positive or a negative. And as an artist, you want to make sure that it's a positive for as many people as possible. You're not going to get everybody. Obviously, some people just can't be pleased. But you need to make sure that you have that cult-like following and you are able to support the hell out of them. That way they are able to support the hell out of you. And the way that you support them is by creating dope music and dope content that they resonate with and that they love and they want to consume and they want to share, okay? And this article right here is talking about DistroKid buying out Banzoogle, Song Trader buying out Bandcamp, all right? That's what these are talking about. And what this means is that Services like DistroKid and SongTrader that, you know, DistroKid is a DSP and SongTrader is where you can go and find, you know, sync licensing and stuff like that and be able to market your music that way. With those two companies buying out Banzoogle and, and Bandcamp, which allowed you to create a website and sell your music on there and everything like that, what they're doing is they're trying to get into that market. As it says right here, and potential future battle for super fans. See, DistroKid, I've already hypothesized on previous episodes about this. You can go check it out if you'd like to. I even made a clip out of it that you can see on the social media. But my theory is that DistroKid is owned by 
at least one of the major record companies. All right. And if I remember right, I've actually seen something about one of them either owning or having a big stake in it, one of the two. But as I hypothesize is that, you know, all these DSPs and stuff like that, they're they're if not they're if they're not right now being ran behind the scenes by the major record labels, they are going to be. And eventually it'll be just out in the open. And with DistroKid being a DSP and putting it out on all the platforms and everything like that, with SongTrader being involved in the actual sync licensing and both of them wanting to take over companies that help you as an artist create your music and put it out directly to your fans, I think... I think what that is going to do is they're trying to gain more control over what's going on because a lot of artists that I know went to Bandcamp or Bandzoogle in order to host their music instead of on Spotify and all those platforms. That way they could try to harness and, and nurture those super fans more and actually make more money off of their music. Because if somebody goes and buys a song off of your Bandcamp or Bandzoogle for 99 cents, you get almost all that 99 cents. And then that fan can listen as long as they want, but then you also have their email address. You can do future marketing and stuff like that with them. But if somebody goes and listens to your song on Spotify, even if they click follow, you're only getting 0.003-ish cents per stream every time they listen. And then you don't get their contact information so you can tell them about your next song when it comes out. You just are at the whim of Spotify putting that song in front of them when you release a new one. Like even if they decide that they want to follow you, it's not guaranteed that they're going to get notified when you drop your next song. Unless you are one of the top listens on that specific fan's playlist, Spotify almost always will not notify them of your release or even put it into their mix, okay? Because they're going to go with the bigger names because these big major record companies have a stronghold on these DSPs and, and on Spotify and on DistroKid and all these places, right? I even saw somebody post something up in a group on Facebook. So God knows if it's fucking true or not. But they posted up something about like DistroKid is uh, stealing your royalties and stuff like that. And they're not giving you actually what you what you get. It's possible. It's absolutely possible because you have no way of tracking. Right. Because you can look on your Spotify for artists, for instance, and you see I got 30,000 streams this month. Okay, so then you go over to DistroKid. DistroKid said that Spotify said you only got 20,000 streams. Well, you can go and try to petition that or whatever, but then they may come back and say, oh, well, Spotify told us that, yeah, you got 30,000, but only 20,000 looked verifiable as unique, authentic users. So I'm only gonna, we're only paying you for that because Spotify only paid us for that. And you got to go based off of their word. You're at the mercy of these companies. And now that, you know, these big companies, like you know, we've talked about Song Trader and Taxi before on previous episodes where, you know, KP has been going through doing sync licensing and stuff like that, writing scores for music and everything like that, or movies, writing scores for movies and everything like that, and trying to get sync licensing with his music, which is something we recommend every single one of y'all at least investigate if you're interested. And you can go check previous episodes to get more information straight from the horse's mouth of, you know, KP actually doing this investigation himself and putting the money in there to to get involved with something like Taxi and Song Trader, right? And I've had experience, I mean, most of us have had experience with either DistroKid or some other uh, distributor. And you're at their mercy. You're not only at the mercy of something like DistroKid, but you're also at the mercy of Spotify being authentic with you and being real because who knows if they are right and yeah i know some of y'all might be saying harcos you're a hell of conspiracy minded today i'm always like that for one but for two i always hope for the best prepare for the worst and in order to prepare for the worst you actually have to think of the worst 
and then try to prepare against it, which is why I always recommend to artists, hey, look, use these streaming platforms as advertisement. Use them as a distribution network for your content, but feed your fans to media that you actually own and control, such as your website. And I know some of y'all... Somebody, I guarantee one person out there is saying, yeah, but Harkos, how do you know the website's being legit with you? Well, we can keep going down that rabbit hole if you want, but I'm not going to do that, okay? Because, yes, everybody in the world could be against you, even your own mind, right? You know, it's a, it's a simulation, right? <laughs> We're not doing that today, all right? What I'm trying to say is, no matter what's going on, and as you see, I got the, the article pulled up on my phone and stuff because that's where I saw it. You need to be in control of your own destiny. Okay. Now, I personally recommend Wix as a website builder. Okay. Because I've tested Wix. I've tested WordPress. I've tested Squarespace for building websites for music-related shit. And Wix is the, the easiest and the best that I've ever done. Now, if I remember right on a couple episodes ago, KP was like, oh, no, Banzoogle's better. Possibly. I've never checked out Banzoogle because I found Wix. I thought it served all my needs perfectly fine for my personal music. And so I stick with it. MusicMakingSensePod.com right here if you're looking in right now on the screen. But uh, MusicMakingSensePod.com is the website for this podcast. It's hosted on Wix. All right. I've built. I Yeah. Just to let you all know, I've built websites for other artists on wix it works perfectly fine all right you can host your music up there fans can download your music you can have it set to where they can download it for free or they download it with an email so then that way you get an email contact and you start doing email marketing with them or you can have it just as a you know they purchase it for a certain amount i recommend that you have all the options Okay, so first, for instance, what I recommend to artists, which I have on my own personal website as well, you all can go check it out if you want to, harcosmusic.net, if you want to go check it out as a reference. Um, but the way I have it is I have it set up to where all my music is available free with email. Okay, so if you want to go download any of my music, you click, you know, download or whatever, add it to cart, and then at the end, you go to check out, you download, you just enter your email address in there. And it might ask a couple other pieces of information, but it's very, very simple. You put that in there, boom, goes straight to you. You pay zero dollars and zero cents or whatever currency you're fucking operating in. All right, just roll with me. Well, now I have your email address and I'm not going to spam the fuck out of you because you took that step as a fan to give me your email address Bare minimum, you gave me a burner email address, right? But let's just say you gave me a le your legit main email address, right? Well, I'm not going to waste that and get reported as spam by you or get unsubscribed by you because if you like my shit well enough that you actually went to my website and then you wanted to download it onto your phone or onto your computer or whatever, you like my shit. So why would I, why would I shit all over that? No, I'm not. I'm going to send you one new email a week, maybe only like, you know, between between two and four emails a month. Whenever I got something new I got coming out, okay, I'm not going to hit you up multiple times a week. I'm going to hit you up one time a week maximum. And it's only to let you know what's going on in the world of Harkos, okay? And mainly, I'm going to be telling you about free shit for you. Because if... If I'm just giving you free stuff, you're going to want to come and, and try to financially support me in some way at some point. Most people, right? So that's why on my website, I also have the option for people to buy my music. You can download it for free or you can buy the exact same song and support me. Or I have an option on there for PayPal Donate, where you can just donate however much you want to right there. PayPal. Done deal. I think I have my cash app up there too. I don't know. Can't remember that because there's a lot of cash app scams. I think I might have taken that off. Either way, I got the PayPal donate. All right, that's super secure. Okay. So that's what I recommend to every single one of y'all artists that you do. Okay. You give people the option. Okay. Now, in sales, for those of y'all who are not familiar with sales, 
the best sales tactic is to not give people the option or to give them a false option, okay? Is you give them two choices. Either you do or you don't. You want small or you want large. You want one or you want two. You know, a binary choice, just like with politics. You know, here in America, at least, there's two main parties in politics. And so most people choose along those lines. But you do have a certain segment of population who either obviously doesn't vote or they want to vote third party. We're not going to get into that. But what I'm saying is primarily it's a binary choice. Okay. And so in sales, that's what you want to do as well, too. So that's what you need to give these, these fans. Okay. You need to give them the option. Would you like my stuff for free or would you like to pay for it? You know, or would you just like to donate? Obviously, that's a third option, but that's still paying for it. If you only give them the option to either stream on Spotify or buy it off of you on your website or even on Apple Music or Banzoogle or what have you, then you're you're cutting off your options. Sorry, I had to pull my article back up. You're you're cutting off your options. So then you're cutting off your fans. Because if they don't want to go buy your music, but they want to listen to it, well, now they're over on Spotify, somewhere you don't control. So again, like I said, I always try to tell people, have a website and get that going. And as always, if you want to have a free consultation about this, I can help you out, no problem. If you want me to build it for you, obviously that's that's for a fee, very small fee. Let me know. Everything like that, drop comment, send email, all that shit, right? But anyway. Let me go ahead and get back into this article here. So what I actually did is I used a dope piece of technology. So me, for instance, I can sit in there, I can read. Okay, I know how to read. But my mind just kind of goes. And so it's best if I listen to things. So whenever I read a book, I actually listen to it on audiobook. And then that way I can do something else at the same time. Okay, not quite ADHD, but it's something something similar. Okay. And so what I did was I just hit my Google assistant. Cause I got an Android. You can do it with your Alexa or whatever the fuck it is, uh, on iPhone. And you just hit, read this article to me. And so it read it to me and it read it to me in like seven minutes or whatever. Right. And so I'm just going to use that technology to help me out with helping y'all know a little bit about what's going on in this article. You can go read it for yourself, but I'm going to have I'm going to have the AI read it to us, all right? So let me go ahead and get this rocking and rolling for y'all. And if you're watching on the video, um, you're actually, I'm going to put the article up on the screen so you can read along if you'd like to, all right? All right, here we go. From Music Business Worldwide, DistroKids Banzoogle buyout, SongTraders Bandcamp acquisition point to the power of D2C commerce and a potential future battle for superfans. What's happened? Two recent acquisitions in the indie artist sector paint a picture of a new alignment that's emerging in the music business. Music distribution service DistroKid announced in mid-September that it had acquired artist services platform Banzoogle. A week later, news broke that SongTrader, which describes itself as the world's largest B2B music licensing marketplace, had acquired Bandcamp, the direct-to-fan platform for music artists, from all right, so right there, it's just like a brief overview of what's going on. But if you see, Song Trader, as they said in there, is B2B, which is business to business. Okay. And so, what that is, is, you know, for those of y'all who don't know what Song Trader is, is when, as an artist, a business, you are selling your music to other businesses for TV and film and radio and commercial stuff like that. You're selling your musical works to them, and then they give you royalties based off of that, okay? So I'm just kind of um, filling y'all in on anything that you may have missed, all right? Let's go ahead and keep it rolling. Epic Games. At first glance, these two acquisitions may look unconnected. Yet in their own ways, they both highlight a new trend that is rapidly emerging. Platforms that have previously, indiscriminately, Worked with DIY artists are now honing their abilities to specifically service middle-class artists, offering these acts the tools to accelerate their careers and better monetize their fan bases. By middle-class artists, 
we are really referring to what Spotify refers to as professional or professionally aspiring artists, i.e. the subsection of 200,000 artists out there who make up just 2.2% of the 9 million acts on streaming services today, but who generate 95% of the royalties paid out. Now, did you all hear that? They're talking, they're not talking about the big time artists. They're talking about the middle section of artists, the 200,000 artists roughly who represent 95% of the royalties that are paid out. All right. And they said professional or aspiring to be professional. Now, this isn't, this doesn't talk about you if you are getting a thousand streams a month or even 10,000. This is the roughly in the millions. All right. And this isn't a lot of the big time artists like, you know, like Drake or, you know, any of like the big, big time artists that get a lot of streams. All right. Because like I've said before, I believe that that they have like a uh, an affiliation with the major record labels in order to basically give those false streams or put it in there and everything like that. Not saying that people don't like listening to like the big time artists, but what this article is talking about is the the market that these companies are trying to gain market share over is the middle class of artists. Okay. Not the low class and not the upper class. Right. But that middle class of artists, which is 95%. So that's the people getting hundreds of thousands of millions to, to millions of streams per month. Right. They're the ones getting the good payouts. They're the ones who are starting to make a decent amount of money off of their music to where they don't really work a regular job. They focus on music-related shit, all right? Which is where every single one of us want to be, correct? If not, you, sh you're, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. I guarantee you that shit, right? But so, so they see that that middle class of artists has figured out how to monetize their music off of the fans going direct to consumer. So these places like DistroKid and, and other companies like that they're wanting to get that. They see that as money coming out of their pocket because they're not able to get their percentage off of it. And see, that's that's where you get fucked, okay? If you're not trying to be 100% independent, I completely understand you going and trying to get signed to an indie label or you doing business with one of these companies, right? But if you're trying to be independent, Use these companies to your advantage, but just know they're using you just as much. So make sure you use them properly. Learn exactly how they operate. You know, like I've said before on a couple episodes back, I said what I recommend to artists is when you put your music up on the DSPs, that you only put out half of a track. And then halfway through your track, right, the lyrics stop and the beat keeps going or the instrumental, whatever, you know, depending on what, genre of music you you make right but you got your first half of the song that sounds exactly the same right then the second half it's only instrumentals no lyrics and then you come in with your voice as an artist if you're a collective obviously somebody does it you hop in and say hey thanks for checking out this song on your favorite streaming platform if you happen to like this and you want to hear the rest of the song make sure you go to our website right now you can get a free download of this song you listen as much as you want to if you don't already know these streaming platforms don't hardly pay us as artists anything and they don't let us have more communication with you so when we put out new music you probably won't even know about it because they don't tell you everything but if you go to our website right now you can get a free download and we will let you know every time we have a new music that you can go and download absolutely for free you win by shopping with us directly something like that right and you can make it to where it doesn't sound like like I would take out the word shopping now that I do it because I just freestyled that, right? I would take out the word shopping. I would say supporting um, or, um, you know, checking out our music or whatever, right? Something like that, okay? Come up with something good. And again, if you want some help with that, holler at me and we can talk. But come up with something good, okay? And, and, and do it like that. That way you're still getting some stream. You're still getting some revenue off of streams. But then they're also... They are putting your music out there. They're showcasing it in front of people. They're allowing you to get some fans. And if you do any kind of boosting um, with promotion and stuff like that to drive people to your Spotify, 
then it's going to keep increasing that. Not just Spotify, but all the DSPs. But you want people to go to your website. And so that's what I keep telling all these artists I'm doing music reviews for and everything like that is have your website drive people there off of all the social media, okay? You know, there's a company out there for those of y'all who don't know called ClickFunnels. Okay, and they're a marketing website. And basically their whole philosophy is they came up with a, a big platform online, right? One of the first ones, and they kind of coined the name funnel, right? But basically it's just casting that wide net. You know, what you're doing is you're wanting to funnel, right? Just imagine a funnel for those of y'all who listen in only, right? Imagine a funnel. And what you do is you put a lot of people into the top, and then it funnels down to where only the select people come out the bottom. Okay, so you're taking, you know, you're putting content out on on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the, you know, all the DSP, Spotify, stuff like that, right? And you're trying to get people to come to your website. So, so you have all these people, and some of them are gonna kind of stick around and start following you on those platforms where they see you, but then some are not. So they fall out of the funnel, right? And then out of those people that are following you, you know, eventually they may want to go and stream your music. So then they're going through there and then they may want to go and actually download your music. And so then they're coming through the funnel until they are a super fan. A cult, you have a cult like following that, you know, 80, 90% of your cult like following is, you know, buying your new song for a dollar when that you have the option for them to get it for free, but they're buying it for a dollar to support you you know, or they're paying 10 bucks for that EP or that mixtape or that album, or they're paying $30 for that shirt. You know, and like I said, on the last episode, when you put out merchandise, yeah, have a couple that advertise your, your band or your, you as an artist, but have most of your stuff just be cool designs, like a cool saying or a cool design, or you take some of your lyrics or whatever, and you, you put it into a visual aspect on a shirt. Okay. And then on like the back or something like that, you have like a little bit of promotion for yourself. That way, when people walk around with it or whatever, they got this cool shirt or something that has words on it that says something that resonates with them. And yeah, they're technically supporting you. But when they're just walking around, people see that shirt. They don't like, oh, that's a groupie or what, you know, anything negative. Right. It's a cool shirt. People are going to be more willing to buy that shirt. OK, but then when you that those are the people who come out of the bottom of the funnel okay and those are the people that these companies are trying to take from you okay so make sure you learn all this kind of shit off of me or off of your own time and effort online to actually be able to maximize your time and get this taken care of all right let's go ahead and keep listening what's the context with the above in mind let's take a look first at distrokid banzoogle San Francisco-headquartered DistroKid says that more than 2 million artists have relied on its distribution and services offerings to date, among them rappers Ludacris and 21 Savage, as well as Dweezil Zappa and Megan Davies. Judging by the ratios suggested by Spotify's math, i.e. 2.2% of all artists, just 40,000 artists out of the 2 million that have gone through DistroKid in the past would be considered professionally aspiring. And it's this... All right, so you hear that right there. 40,000 out of 2 million, they would consider as being aspiring. So those are the people in that professional cast that they're actually talking about, right? So they're they're narrowing that funnel down on who they're trying to target and who they're trying to extract resources from, okay? Because that's what they're doing. That's what businesses do. Extract resources in order to grow, but still provide a service, okay? More specialist, non-hobbyist audience that Banzoogle was created to serve. Banzoogle is a Montreal-headquartered artist services platform that offers marketing tools for musicians, such as website development, music promotion, and a platform for and a direct-to-fan sales platform. Since launching in 2003, it has amassed some USD $100 million in sales, more than half of that over the past five years. In the case of the song trader, Bandcamp tie-up, something... I'll get to that in a second. So as you see right there, they've had a lot of revenue, especially in the last five years on Banzoogle, right? Well, DistroKid was able to buy them. Okay, so for those of y'all don't know about DistroKid, it's $20 a year. They supposedly give you 100% of the royalties. So how are they making money off of 2 million artists at $20 a year? Yeah, they got their add-ons, but still, how are they making their money? 
How do they have enough money to purchase Banzoogle that is clearly on an upward incline of income and revenue, especially in the last five years? That's a lot of money right there. So they not only have to have the money to to buy Banzoogle, but they got to have they, they got to be getting it from somewhere, right? That's why, come back to my theory at the beginning of this episode, and like I've had before, major labels are highly involved in those companies. And they're extorting us as up-and-coming indie artists. Because the, the majors have always done that. The majors have, back before the internet, and even at the beginning of the internet, still sometimes today, they would go around to little festivals and stuff like that and all these towns and cities and everything like that. And they would find who's hot and they would either sign them and build them, or they would just check the sound and then take that sound to their artists and say, Hey, you need to change your sound to this because that's what's popping right now. And then guess what? That main artist puts out that new sound, that new sound catches and then it goes because it's the new hot thing. And they got in on it first, right? And so don't fucking think that they're not doing the exact same thing now with digital, all right? Because with digital now, they can do all this and they even have AI, real AI, okay? I know you all have heard me talk about AI is not AI. What I'm mainly talking about is these chatbots. They're not really AI. What's really AI are these algorithms that go and look for certain things and they pick up on certain keywords and stuff like that, right? They have this stuff and they use it to their advantage because that's what the fuck they do. All right. Let's go ahead and keep listening though. Similar is playing out. To date, Song Trader has largely focused on business to business licensing of music. Acquiring Oakland headquartered Bandcamp gives it a foot in the door of direct to consumer sales as well. See, Song Trader was doing business to business, making some decent money but they want to expand. Like everybody wants to expand. Every single one of us want to expand, right? Nothing negative going on here, but they want to expand just to see their motivated motivations, right? They want to get their foot in the door too. So since DistroKid got Banzoogle, well, they want to get Bandcamp, right? The 5 million artists on Bandcamp already receive access to services such as ticketed live streaming, vinyl presses of their works, and of course, use of an online store. With the song trader acquisition, they'll have direct access to a B2B music licensing business as well. See, now that's a positive. So if you already have something with Bandcamp, an account with Bandcamp, you're now going to have access to song traders, sync licensing type stuff. So you don't have to have two separate accounts. Now, I'm sure there might be a little extra fee on there, but you still have the opportunity. That's not a bad thing. Okay. Interestingly, both the DistroKid, Banzoogle, and song trader Bandcamp acquisitions come shortly after another potentially relevant development. The announcement of Universal Music Group and Deezer's new artist-centric royalty model. Now, this is very interesting. I saw this article a few weeks ago, and I think I might have posted it up on the Music Making Sense podcast, Facebook, maybe even Twitter. Um, but this is interesting. UMG is... Like they did a partnership with Deezer, right? And I'll just let the I'll let the AI tell you about it. All right. Well, not AI, it's reading an article. Which launches in France this month. Under this plan, professional artists with at least 1,000 streams per month and a minimum of 500 unique listeners on Deezer will receive a so-called double boost to their royalty payments. Deezer will also offer a double boost to those artists whose music was actively searched for by listeners. All right. So Deezer is trying to get a bigger market share of streaming and, and audience, right? So Deezer does okay, but they're nothing compared to like Spotify and stuff like that. So if they want to get more artists on their platform and more artists to share their Deezer link to their fans and everything like that in order to get more listeners over on Deezer, Deezer is offering incentives, just like Spotify and stuff used to back in the day. They're offering the incentives to the artists. Hey, if people are uniquely looking for you on our website, we give you a double boost. If you have at least this much, you get a double boost, everything like that. So you have a potential right here. If you go and you're on, you put your music on Deezer, that you could possibly, if you market it right with a proper marketing strategy, 
which you can get from me, obviously. I'm gonna keep more. I'm not gonna keep promoting myself. Y'all know what it is. But if you have a proper marketing strategy, you can capitalize on this, and you can start making some decent money off of Deezer, right? And then, of course, you're gonna have to shift in the future as well, but just one step at a time. All right, let's get back to it. Those who will be financially punished under this system hobbyists and or non-professionally aspiring artists. According to the Financial Times, UMG and Deezer expect payments to professional artists to increase by 10% under Deezer's new artist-centric model. The acquisitions of both Banzoogle and Bandcamp could suggest that the two companies' respective new owners can only see this financial favoring of professional artists gaining traction in the years ahead. Right. And so that it just said like it expects to see an increase in 10% or whatever. That's an average. All right. So don't don't think that it's contradicting itself with a double boost versus 10%. All right. What happens next? One thing that's definitely influenced the acquisitions of Banzoogle and Bandcamp is the growing revenues we're seeing flowing through the direct to consumer space and music. So like I was saying, they see the money increasing in direct-to-consumer, which is something I've been telling artists about for a few years. But ever since we started this podcast this year, I've been harping on it a lot, right? But they're seeing this money going away from them going over here. They want it. All right? That's why they're coming in and doing this. And that's why I tell every single one of y'all artists that you need to be trying to do direct consumer as well, too, because direct to consumer is where it's at. That way you have full control over your fan base. OK, you're not relying on Facebook's algorithm or TikTok's algorithm or Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube's algorithm to promote your music. And then you're not relying on those platforms to give you money off of royalties. OK, you're going out there, you're conducting you know, your business, you're you're engaging with your fans, you're you're giving them inter you're entertaining your fans on a on a one to many level. But it seems like one to one with them. Right. And then when they give you your email, you are doing one to one. That is how you succeed. Absolutely how you succeed. Y'all need to get in line with this. All right, let's keep going. Especially in the world of middle class artists with sizable but hardly blockbuster fan bases. To be fair, the idea of commercializing a direct-to-consumer approach for independent artists has been around for some time. Anyone remember YouTube buying artist services startup band page back in 2016? That effort to bring musicians' fan monetizing tools to YouTube via Bandpage doesn't seem to have gotten very far. YouTube ended up shutting down much of Bandpage's functionality over time. Yet it may have simply been an idea that was ahead of its time, as recent data suggests that the D2C market is now on a major upswing. And see, it said that, you know, it may have been ahead of its time. And sometimes things are ahead of its time. But that's mainly because, like, the technology and the usage of that technology is not quite there yet. So when Google acquired that other company, I can't remember off the top of my head now what it was. Hit rewind, you'll hit what, I, what it was saying. But... When it acquired that company, it saw the potential. However, people weren't really doing that yet, you know, because this this was probably, if I remember right, this was around the time when people were going from physical sales to digital streams. It was in that highlight. So people were just going to the streaming platforms. So they weren't doing D2C because D2C hasn't really, hadn't really evolved yet. And now people are getting more accustomed to D2C because a lot of artists have been shifting, even major label artists have been shifting away from a streaming promotional platform to a D2C platform, okay? That's where it's at. And technically, that's where the money's always been. You know, back before the internet, people would actually buy physical CDs, physical records, physical cassette tapes, whatever the you know, whatever the media of playing music was, they would actually buy it. So it was in a way D2C, but you were going through distributors, right? So the record company would, you know, press them all up and stuff like that with with one company. And then that company would put it out to all the record stores and stuff like that, right? And then those record stores would sell it all across the country and stuff. Well, now it's all electronic. It's a lot cheaper and a lot easier. And as an independent artist, you could do a lot of it yourself or with a very, very small team and really maximize the the profit that you get off of this. And, and you know, it's not all about making money. 
It's about, you know, supporting your, your fans and giving them the entertainment and the music and that they want. But at the same time, the more money that you have, the more you can put into that and give them more content and more creative content and more engaging content and actually be there for your fans and nurture that fan artist relationship. All right. A final thought. Much has been made lately about the potential of super fans to music companies. According to market research firm Luminate's 2023 mid-year report, about 15% of U.S. music fans are superfans, which the report defines as music listeners age 13 and up who engage with artists and their music in multiple ways, including through social media, by attending live shows, and purchasing physical music or merch. Right. So 15% of the, the music listening base... Of everybody who listens to music, only 15% are what they consider super fans, who are people who, you know, attend live shows, buy music, buy merch, and stuff like that, right? So 15% of basically the population of the world is what you have to work with. So if you have a thousand fans, only 15%, 150 people would be super fans, have the potential to be super fans. It depends on how you make it because you could have a thousand fans and only one of them be a super fan. Not 1%, one, okay? You got to make sure that you nurture this, all right? And it takes effort and it takes you being a genuine person. You can't be a fly-by-night artist trying to capitalize off of, oh, making music is easy so I can make some money off of that. I've actually seen artists say that. Fuck that shit. I'm talking about real artists like me and you, you listening right here, right now, and me, who make music from our fucking soul, who have something that we want to put out to the world, and we love when people resonate with it and and tell us their story and stuff like that. That we that's that's what we that's where we're at, right? We have the opportunity to capitalize on that 15%. And you can possibly turn that 15% into 50% of your fan base but just know on average you only got about 15 percent to work with if you do it well all right if you nurture your fans well you're only going to get about 15 percent that actually contribute to you okay and that's financially the rest of them they'll listen they may share stuff like that but your super fans 15 percent out of your fan base okay so if you only got 100 fans you're only getting 15 as possibly a super fan all right very very rare though Luminate's report estimated that these superfans spend 80% more on music each month compared to the average U.S.-based music listener. Now more than ever, fans hold the power of influence, shaping the ways their favorite artists make, market, and release music. Luminate. Meanwhile, in its latest Music in the Air report, Goldman Sachs estimated that if 20% of music fans could be categorized as superfans, and each were willing to spend double what a non-superfan spends on digital music each year, this would imply a $4.2 billion currently untapped annual revenue opportunity for the recorded music business. But what if the real opportunity to monetize superfans actually already rests with the burgeoning D2C market? The same Luminate report showed D2C taking a larger share of music revenues in H1 2023, with overall D2C sales up 20% YoY and D2C vinyl sales up over 25% YoY. Okay, so AI is kind of dumb and it said YoY. It actually says YOY, which is year over year. It's an acronym, but y'all know how these these readers are. It says YoY. <laughs> that's that's no, it's year over year. So up to so uh direct to consumer sales are up 20 to 25% year over year. All right. This stat only highlights the ever-increasing power of the superfan, Luminate said in its report. Now more than ever, fans hold the power of influence, shaping the ways their favorite artists make, market, and release music. If that is indeed the case, then DistroKid's acquisition of Banzoogle and SongTrader's acquisition of Bandcamp could indeed be smart moves, building on D2C's potential, at a time when it looks poised to become bigger than ever. From music biz... Exactly right there. I want to read something back to y'all real quick in case you missed it. It says, this is a quote. It says, now more than ever, fans hold the power of influence, shaping the ways their music, sorry, shaping the ways their favorite artists market and release their music. Okay. 
If that is indeed the case, then DistroKid's acquisition of Banzoogle and SongTrader's acquisition of Bandcamp could indeed be smart moves building on D2C direct-to-consumers potential at a time when it looks poised to become bigger than ever. So what that's saying is, Fans have the power. They've always had the power, but they have more power now than they ever have before because they have the power of extreme choice where they've never had that power before. Okay. Because I remember back in the day, for instance, I first got my, I got my first hip hop album when I was in third grade, I was 10 years old. Okay. Roughly third grade. I just remember I was 10 years old. I used to watch MTV before school, okay? And before elementary school was around the time when they had like the music video countdown stuff. I saw Bone Thugs and Harmonies, the Crossroads music video when it first came out in 1996, all right? I'm 36 years old. I know I look like I'm 25, but we're not gonna go there. Anyway, I saw it in 1996. I saw this video and I loved it, right? And around that time, I was also seeing... Wu-Tang, their videos were coming up and everything like that. I was watching all of that stuff. I started liking hip-hop. Well, then my dad took me out to the mall and said, hey, you know, you want to get some music or whatever? I was like, yeah. I was like, and I was looking through and I found Bone Thugs and I found Wu-Tang, all right? Bone Thugs, East 1990 Eternal, cassette tape, because this was before CDs, all right? Well, it was right around the beginning of CDs, but I didn't have a CD player. I had a cassette player right, of 10, all right? And so I got the Bone Thugs and Harmony East 1990 Eternal cassette. And I got Wu-Tang Enter the 36 Chambers cassette. Now this was right around the time when they released them because this is 1996, right? I got those because my only source of hip-hop besides, because local radio didn't really play anything in the town I lived in, right? They played the mainly pop music. It was either pop music channel, you had a rock channel, you had a country channel, all right, but where I lived during this time, that was it. Information was limited and new music was limited as well too, right? So I was just MTV. And I think this was before BET, but MTV, that's all I had. MTV, VH1. So whatever they showed me was my options on what I could like. And then I go to the store and do that. And then of course, places like FYE and Sam Goody and stuff like that were stores that sold CDs, but then they also had some that you can go and listen to on headsets and stuff like that. All that kind of stuff. That was how we used to get new music, okay? That's how you found out about new music. That's the only ways. If it wasn't on the radio and it wasn't on TV, it didn't fucking exist, okay? Especially as a kid. And as I grew older, I started meeting some friends that also listened to hip-hop. Now, the town I grew up in, that was a very, very small amount of people. But I started listening to that. And then as it got you know closer to the year 2000, you started hearing a little bit more hip hop on the radio and stuff like that. But it was all a lot of the pop stuff, okay? And that's how I learned about music. And then whenever I went in the army, even though the internet was still kind of new at that time, Facebook was kind of new, MySpace was really the thing and stuff like that. I started being able to find out a little bit more about music. And then I was around people from other areas. And when I was in the army, this is how I found out about a lot of music. I didn't really know much East Coast artists until I was in the army and I hung out with dudes from New York. I didn't know shit about Texas music until I hung out with people from fucking Texas or people from Georgia or California. One of my dudes was from fucking California, right? He put me on to E-40 and all these other people, right? And... You know, as you see behind me on my wall, I got a lot of CDs. Some of these CDs were before the army and some of them were during and after, right? You know, like Pac. I knew about Pac whenever, before I went to the army when I was in high school, just from a friend. And I started listening to it and I got hooked and I bought all the CDs. Snoop Dogg, I actually saw him on, on MTV or something like that. My dad started buying me the Snoop Dogg and stuff like that. You know, Bone Thugs and Harmony, we already talked about that. DMX, heard about him from a friend. I think I might have heard him on the radio as well, too. You know, 50 Cent and everybody like that started catching on around the early 2000s. I graduated high school in 2005. But then after that, from 2005 to 2008, that's when I got almost all of these CDs. Okay, and I was getting them online. I was buying them on Amazon or I was buying them at local stores because that was actually starting to get catching on. And when I was on Iraq, that's how I pretty much had to get music. But a lot of it was people to people, you know, my dude from New York, 
he turned me on to Papoose. He's like, yo, you got to check out Papoose. Hand me a fucking bootleg mixtape, right? Shit like that. That's how we used to get music, okay? I'm not trying to be like, oh, back in my day, but that's how people used to get music. Now, it's everywhere. On your phone, you're scrolling through, you see all different kinds of content that has music behind it. You see all different kinds of promotion, people sharing it and stuff like that. It moves at a faster rate. And as an artist, it's a lot cheaper and simpler to get that out there, okay? Now, it may seem like a big mountain to try to climb because your lack of knowledge, not to be disrespectful, your lack of knowledge is just, it's just it is what it is. It's there. It's your big hurdle. But when you get the knowledge on how to start getting your music out there, how to become more well-known, you know, instead of just trying to rely on systems that are already built, trying to build your own system, doing different things like that. As a creative, you have the brain power to do it. If you're a real artist, and that's going to sound really pretentious of me, but you're, if you're a real artist, you have the creative brain power. You have the creative brain power. God, you can create whatever you come to your mind. You've already created a bunch of music that had never been created before. So you can come up with ideas to create content that's never been created before. And you can look at other pieces of content and take inspiration just like you do with your music. Like me, for instance, I've, I've been listening to Pac again here lately because I just kind of got on a kick. Uh, one of his songs popped in my head. I started listening to it and I hadn't listened to Pac in years. And I realized he's a heavy influence on me and my personal music. I listen to how he does certain things with his rhymes. And I'm like, shit, I do the same thing. I take heavy influence from him. I take heavy influence from a lot of people. And that's what you do as an artist. But then you put your own creativity behind it. Because I say things that Pac never even said. And I'm not trying to be the next Pac. I'm just saying. As a creative person, you have creativity where a lot of people don't. That is your biggest strength. That's your biggest superpower. And if you can't figure out how to get the knowledge to do good marketing and sales and, and all that stuff to get more fans, if you if for whatever reason you just can't get it, it's not resonating with you, I completely understand. Last minute plug right here, free consultations. Hit me up, all right? Hit me or KP up. We got free consultations. We'll help you out, help point you in the dry, right direction. If you want to work with us based off of that, then you can work with us for a small fee, all right? But we're working for you. It is what it is. But if you can't figure it out, you can hire somebody like us. Or, and what you can do after you hire somebody, if you're not doing it yourself, is you can spend all that time doing the creative stuff, creating those unique pieces of content that's going to attract the attention of people because you have 3.5 billion people online and growing. And most of them are English speaking. So if you're an English artist, you got billions of people with a B to potentially be your fans and to potentially get 15% or more of them to be your super fans. That is what you have. So if you take anything away from today's conversation, that's what I want you to take away from. The possibilities are endless if you make those possibilities reality. So I'm going to stop talking right in there. All the information I gave you, like I said, the article is linked down below, but I had AI read the whole article to us. Got any questions, comments, concerns, hit me up in the socials, hit me up in the comments. Like I said, if you want a free consultation, we can sit down and talk on how I can help you do this, particularly in your specific genre of music and your specific artistry. And we can go from there on if you want to work. If not, keep tuning in right here to Music Making Sense Podcast. I got more music reviews coming out here soon. If you want a music review, it's 100% free as well, too. Drop a comment or message or an email or what have you. Contact us, and I'll hook up one of those for you. We'll have a conversation. I'll get that taken care of for you. But keep tuning in. Check out all the information that me and KP are dropping right here on the regular podcast episodes. 
and all the information we're dropping on the socials and through these music marketing reviews. Make sure you keep tuning in. And if you enjoy what you got here today, make sure that you share it with at least one person you know. Because you know at least one person who's struggling with their music marketing and they could use a little bit of help. And you never know. They could listen to this episode right here today. It sparks something in their mind. Next thing you know, four months from now, their half, half their income is coming from music. And now they're only working part-time at their job. And they're making their way. And they're getting a happier, healthier, productive life. That's the key. That's what I strive for. That's what I want every single one of y'all to strive for. And speaking for KP, since he's not here, unfortunately, today, that's what he's striving for. I know for damn sure. He said it on here. And he said it to me personally as well, too. So if you're striving for that, which I know you are, if you've listened all the way through this episode, make sure. Keep like, share, follow, and subscribe. Make sure you think critically. Think outside the box. Hit me up if you need some help. And, of course, keep sharing the show. As always, I'm Harkos from Music Making Sense Podcast. See you all next episode.